The Missouri is a museum in Oahu. The sister ship, named for the state due north, is also one at the port of Los Angeles. Pete. What is the Too much Illinois. time. Hallie. What is the Iowa? That's it. Welcome back, listeners, to Rock Hard Caucus. This is episode 94. I am Justin, and I've got Natalie here with me. Hey! We do have a guest, but uh, before we get into our discussion with our guest, I just want to say at the top, uh, we will not be discussing Dick Milks tonight. <laughs> Congratulations on going from your shadow ban to your uh, your purgatory. <laughs> a regular ban. <laughs> and, uh, well, I don't plan on discussing this, but uh, I don't think we're going to talk about the Mike Franken thing right now we're gonna wait for another episode thank you for sparing us <laughs> <laughs> we will we will be talking about it but we aren't gonna subject our our guest to yeah we've got other issues uh to proceed that uh we're we're on the labor beat still so tonight we've got uh ross gruders here who oh shit i forgot to write down which union you're in but uh ross works for the railroad so uh what union are you in ross <laughs> Uh, I'm in the uh, engineers operating craft, so the Brotherhood of Locomotive Engineers and Trainmen, um, and I also co-chair a cross-craft organization nationally of railroad workers called Railroad Workers United. Yeah, I've seen that. Uh, that's been growing because there are uh, there's discontent among railroad workers that I've seen recently, and I, I think that's going to be the main topic of discussion tonight. <laughs> that, that there is <laughs> growing discontent. <laughs> So I guess a good way to get started, since we were just talking about this before we started recording, Ross, what kind of hours do you work? Most jobs on the railroad are on call uh, 24-7, 365 days a year. So I work all hours and not necessarily do I know when those hours will be <laughs> very far in advance. So uh, work cooperating will get this uh, recorded tonight without me getting called into work. Yeah. That sounds kind of unreasonable, I think, to to require somebody to be available to start working at any time. Literally always. <laughs> That's so fucked up. <laughs> even even the scheduled jobs we have can be pretty unreasonable. Like I, I was on one job that worked uh, two morning shifts, an afternoon shift, and then two overnight shifts in that order. Uh, so e even some of the scheduled jobs uh, are are just absolutely asinine can you repeat what that schedule was <laughs> I, I worked a, a morning another morning an afternoon going in about three thirty, and then two overnights going in uh, a little before midnight okay so that's five days there C consecutively yes five days wow yeah that's it seems impossible to shift your um sleeping schedule that quickly <laughs> uh Maybe bleep this out, but but <laughs> for that, <laughs> I, I say that half jokingly. I, I yeah. really do. I, I think uh, a lot of folks get by on um, just caffeine, uh, sleep deprivation, um, and uh, 
they do have a growing industry around uh, sleep. You see sleep centers that have popped up all over uh, Iowa and all over the country for, for people to find ways to get better sleep because I don't think this is just railroad workers. It's an extreme example, but I think workers all over the country are being pushed into these ridiculous schedules and, and it takes a toll. And, and so uh, now there's a medical profession dedicated to figuring out uh, how we can uh, keep people rested and, and get them their sleep. And sometimes that does involve prescription medication. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Um, well, what exactly do you do for the railroad? Like what's so important that they need you to be ready to rush into work at any moment? So the, the railroad as it operates today is, is unscheduled. And so they really want uh, everybody at their beck and call. And what I do is I'm a locomotive engineer. So uh, I operate uh, a train uh, or drive a train. So typically wow. I would uh, get called uh, by the railroad. I'd have two hours to go in. Uh, I'd arrive. We'd uh, get our, our paperwork that, that talks about uh, the scope of work that we have. And then we'd I, I would sit down with a, a conductor who's in the smart transportation division and uh, we sort of work hand in hand to discuss the work, figure out how we're going to get it done uh, and then take a train, say, from Des Moines to Mason City or, or Des Moines to Clinton. And uh, then we tie up our tour of duty there and uh, get our rest and then wonder when the railroad will call again and start the process all over. Yeah. Do you have to then take a train back home? Yes. Or do you have other means of transportation? Okay. okay. Uh, typically, it's a, you get uh, another train line up on the other side uh, when you're getting your rest, and, and then you figure out when you're going to get called and take a train back. Sometimes they uh, will do a deadheading, which is probably one of the coolest parts of the job, I guess, uh, where we just get in a cab and, and ride from point A to point B, uh, a cab or a van, uh, and mm -hmm. then uh, tie up that way. And tie-up, I guess, would be jargon for in the shift, so it'd be like clocking out. Okay, yeah, right, right, like wrapping up. Well, now that I know that you actually drive trains, you're an engineer, uh, we do have a couple of questions from our friend Chuck, who is not able to be here tonight. Uh, he wanted to ask you, Ross, what is your favorite type of choo-choo? I, I want to say something smart-ass like Charleston, but that, that candy sucks, doesn't it? Um, I, I Favorite uh, is the one that I'm not on. <laughs> Sorry, Chuck. <laughs> uh, and then he wondered if you were into Thomas the Train Engine as a child. <laughs> I was not. Uh, our our child, uh, our sixteen year old, uh, when when she was younger, she got into Thomas for for a good uh, few years, and and that was kind of funny to see. Uh, I think it was <laughs> because she knew uh, I worked for the the railroad, but uh, uh, she quickly uh, grew out of that, thankfully. Mm. <laughs> Thankfully, you, you don't want like I, I don't want uh, I, I wouldn't want my children or anybody else listening to follow in my footsteps. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't wish this life on it on my worst enemies, to be honest. It's, it's really difficult. Wow. OK, so how did you, I guess, get into this line of work? Uh, well, much like uh, a lot of young people, I couldn't figure out what to do with my life and 
I had uh, a number of coworkers who left the industry, uh, left uh, retail and, and went to work for the railroad. Um, and over the years, just a growing number said, hey, you would like doing this. Eventually, one of those was a good friend of mine, and, and I, I think it was, we were at one of the Lord of the Rings movies, and I was just having a miserable time at work, and I was just like, so, tell me about this railroad thing. Uh, and, and kind of the rest, as they say, is, is history. Um, I will say that, that the industry has changed a lot over the years. There's something called precision scheduled railroading that started in the last five to ten years. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, this any, shit is any, this recent. So this yes. is like new. Okay. Yes. So the sort of the lean production that came to other industries was slow in coming to the railroad. Um, and only recently did, did investment capital come in and financialize the railroads. And so that's a lot of the reason you're seeing the, the trouble you are now is um, they've imp- implemented this three-letter acronym. And, and anytime you hear an acronym from your boss, run the other way as fast as you can. Uh <laughs> The, the precise part of it has nothing to do with operating trains. It has to do with how precisely can we cut the operation and, and force mm-hmm. workers into doing more work faster with less people. Right. And so that's, that's what we're, we're working under today. And that's what's caused so much of, of the, the hardships. We've, we've lost about 30, 30% of, uh, union railroad employees in, in just the last, uh, five or six years and it might even be higher than that but but so the work is still there the the work is the same amount you just have fewer people doing it so that i think kind of sets up why uh and and you'll probably ask about this is why there is this growing labor dispute nationally yeah that definitely sets the scene uh and that term again was precision what scheduled railroading precision scheduled railroading okay I think that some like retail companies do that as well. And it's like kind of similarly, it's not as extreme as what you're saying as far as it being 24 hours, but it is kind of like you're on call and you never fucking know. I think that's kind of a private equity bullshit in a lot of industries. So hopefully the um, like pushback will start coming elsewhere as well. I I certainly hope so. Uh, You have, uh, my union, BLET, is a part of Teamsters, and so you'll, ha- you'll have uh, UPS workers going through kind of a similar process here in the lead-up to their contract negotiations in 2023. And mm-hmm. I-, I know that I've heard uh, things like uh, Ingridion, if I'm saying that right, that yep. the, the commercial food workers are, are uh, fighting, and, and, and we see what's happening at Starbucks and and flight attendants and, and other industries. I think industry, uh, I think workers have just realized uh, through the pandemic how uh, challenging uh, it is to, to go to work in these conditions and, and have realized their power to fight back. Yeah, yeah. So what is the, the situation with like, is everybody that you work with part of the union or do you have a lot of people like, you know, not joining up because it's a right to work state? So on the railroads, it's a closed shop. We fall under federal labor law. It's not actually the oh, same labor right. law as everybody else. We're we're under the okay. uh, we're under the uh, Railway Labor Act, which was passed in the twenties, essentially to keep us working and prevent us from being able to strike. And there's uh, right. twelve to fourteen different craft unions uh, across the country that work under that. Um, and 
we we don't have everyone is in the union who yeah. is a a laborer has a non-management job okay yeah does so does that make it i guess as you've seen conditions sort of deteriorate over the last five or six years and you said you were you started around the time of a lord of the rings movie so that's probably like early mid 2000s so, <laughs> so for a while things were not quite as bad and then in recent years it's been getting worse so have you seen since you're all part of this union i assume you have some kind of like meetings <laughs> so as things have gotten worse have there been a lot of discussions among the workers about you know how do we fix this how do we resist the continuing uh deterioration of our working conditions yeah this uh this occurs uh, on a, on a daily basis in my workplace, uh, we're, we're uh, I, I think, uh, kind of some self-reflection. I think all of us would, would see us as, uh, uh, really good at, at bitching. We're a bunch of like, <laughs> just, yeah, we, we sit around and, and complain about our, our work. I mean, we've got, uh, two people, uh, on a, on a train ride for eight to 12 hours and maybe longer. We've, we've got plenty of time to do that. <laughs> Uh, unfortunately it's, it's all very compartmentalized and I think unlike some of the other, uh, labor organizations that I've seen, there's not a lot of internal organizing going on. Um, Hmm. a lot of things have been pushed to an arbitration and mediation process where we just file the grievance and, uh, down the road three or four years later, perhaps we'll, uh, get paid pennies on the dollar for, for whatever violation that the, the rail carriers created. And it's really disempowering. It, it doesn't mm-hmm. help us uh, realize or, or achieve our, our power. And uh, most of those cases, uh, I, I'd say maybe one in seven or something, we win those and, and the rest we don't. So it's, wow. we're, we're playing on unfavorable terrain when we go through that process. And I think it's only recently that, that the job has just gotten so terrible and so uh, un, just unbearable that, that workers have really started a lot of self-organizing and started to really think about how, to, how do we fight back. And um, we saw that uh, Wednesday across the country. There were dozens of, of pickets that sprung up with a, basically a 48-hour call. Mm-hmm. Some folks put out a, a call to picket on public property outside of rail yards and just a simple informational picket like that, which, you know, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are activists and, uh, our listeners, it's your podcast. <laughs> well, they're listening <laughs> to I'm you sure now, I'll, aren't they? Yeah. A lot of the <laughs> listeners are, uh, uh, activists. And so that just something that simple that, that we would take for granted or think, yeah, this is a tool in the toolkit that we need to use. Mm-hmm. We're just starting to kind of rediscover some of those things. So, uh, hopefully we can keep building on that uh, because, uh, as as again we'll talk about, the Railway Labor Act is designed to prevent us from striking. Right, because what you do is kind of essential for the continued operation of the economy, so <laughs> they need you there. I was wondering if you could explain, I've seen a lot of talk about um, employment points and having mm. a point system. And it sounds unbelievable. Could you explain to us how it works and and what happens if you take a sick day? I, I really can't explain how it works. It's <laughs> <laughs> when I fi- when I figure it out, I'll share it, it with you. Up to me. <laughs> I, there's there's 
it's it's like some I don't know. Picture okay, the how worst. many points do you have? Oh, that's so. That's a good question, and it depends on the railroad you're on. So you can have. Uh, you can either accrue points so you can build them up and after you cross a thir- certain threshold, it instantly triggers uh, a disciplinary action. Or uh, with the case of, of some workers, they start with a certain number of points and they're deducted. Right now I'm at 10 points. I'll share that. And and maybe this weekend I'll end up at 15 or 20. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it, 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 there is just imagine the worst board game or strategy game you can think of and and some point <laughs> matrix like you've got all these different like it depends on what job you do it depends on what day it is it depends is it a weekend or a holiday how did you how did you take time off how did you you know choose to call in and, and lay off we call it uh it's it's beyond you're, you're right it's it's unbelievable and it's it's unflexible and it doesn't really acknowledge the the fact that we have uh, still have a virus is deadly going around that that can kill people if we keep spreading it and so uh, it's it's just yeah I, I like how you frame it Natalie uh, it is it's unbelievable ten sounds yeah. like uh, not a lot of points do you know what <laughs> what's the most number of points you've ever had uh, if I recall correctly we can accrue up to twenty eight. And I think I've okay. been at 27. So I, I, I kind of have gained the system. I, 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 I mean, we all have to, right? If we yeah, want, I mean, that's, that's what to. this incentivizes, yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah, I, I don't want to be at work. <laughs> yeah, I saw someone on Twitter say that in order to witness the birth of their child, they lost so many that they had to then be on call for two weeks straight. Like... 24 hours a day, like, and always be answering for two full weeks just because they wanted to go see their baby be born. I mean, that's not a humane way for people. People can't live like that. I was uh, in uh, Omaha for another uh, informational picket that we did with the union for the Berkshire Hathaway meetings. And I, and I heard some stories, the BLET women's auxiliary was there. And I, I just heard some heart wrenching stories about uh, s- some of the experiences from these families we had uh one of the women there talking about a a child who uh unfortunately didn't make it and had heart congen- like congenital heart trouble and uh just the the stresses that put under the family for their their husband who works on the railroad to try to make it to doctor's appointments or even just be there to to be with their family as they lost this child. I, I'm kind of getting teary. I just, <laughs> just remembering her telling that story and uh, yeah, it, it's not sustainable and, and nobody should have to work like this. That's so fucked up. Yeah. So there's, there's some kind of negotiations going on now. I've seen some reporting on, on what's been happening over the last, you know, few weeks, but I feel like it hasn't been super clear, like what the outcome's going to be. But I remember seeing something about the union like winning one sick day, and that was sort of framed as like a huge win. <laughs> uh, so the the actual uh, and and I feel like I'm correcting you, so I apologize. But we we actually did one win one paid day off. You're right, one paid day off, not a sick mm-hmm. day, just a paid okay, day okay. off. And then yeah, and then uh, this is this is just how I I I think. 
a lot of people listening will probably be like me. And if you've got a means tested, if it's wonky, if, if you've got to try to figure out rules around it, uh, yeah. it's, it's just not worth a shit. Mm-hmm. And uh, so what they gave us was three days that we could take off a year, four medical appointments, 30 days in advance, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. What the fuck? <laughs> congenital heart failure you have to be sure that your baby only has heart failure one month in advance (laughs) tuesday wednesday or thursday yeah okay we'll be sure to we'll be sure to plan (laughs) i know that the way it works right now with like doctors and hospitals is like you get to choose very specifically when you show up like (laughs) that I'm I'm already uh, planning uh, for for when I'm on my deathbed. I'm I'm putting that date on the calendar right now. <laughs> <laughs> You're using an actuarial chart to plan ahead, and <laughs> so you can put in for your your death today. <laughs> so I assume when you reach zero points on this point system, they just fire you. So uh, yeah, it, again, it depends on the carrier. Under under some of the systems, you accrue points, and once you cross that that threshold, then uh, oh, sure. yeah, they yeah. they take disciplinary action. Disciplinary action on the railroad. I'll, I'll get into this, but yeah, some of them are you have the points, and then once you reach zero, that'll trigger the disciplinary action. Again, mileage may vary based on where you work, uh, but once that happens. Yeah, the attempt will be to to fire you. They'll they'll send an, a notice, a uh, certified letter that you'll get, and well, yeah, you've got to come to this investigation. Uh, you've lost your job. Um, on the railroad, it's not uncommon to get fired, uh, or at least what we call get fired. But the good thing is we have a union that'll that'll go to bat and fight for us. And so, when people have been fired in in the past, what what happens is there's an arbitration. There's a hearing. They collect evidence uh, that is sent on to uh, a, a national ar- uh, arbitrator, arbitrator or mediator who will look at the case and take in the evidence. And um, it's not uncommon for a railroad worker to get fired for 30 days, six months, a year, and, and eventually come back to work. In okay. fact, there's, there's yeah. been in the past a, sort of an industry around it where we can purchase job insurance. <laughs> That, that will protect us and get, get, you know at least keep the roof over our head when those when those things occur. Is that just like putting someone in their place, kind of? I mean, it can be. I mean, we, we all have different personalities, so yeah, you can imagine that that managers might have an axe to grind with somebody. Or, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, some of it is. Uh, I don't know. I, I always want to blame the boss, but sometimes yeah. you know we uh, you know we're pushed. Uh, as you can imagine, under those those scheduling conditions, we're we're pushed hard, and and sometimes mistakes can happen. And so, uh, I I'm federally licensed. Uh, I have to get that renewed every couple of years. And there are things like running a red signal that it, it's non-negotiable. There's a set penalty and time off for that, and they'll mm-hmm. revoke your license for that period of time. I, I may have been unclear. So when you, your point system, you have 10 now, are you on the system where it, it's bad to run out or to get too much? 
Yeah, no, you were clear, Justin. I was just trying to uh, not reveal. <laughs> I think revealing that would probably reveal who my employer is. Oh, I see. Oh, okay, okay. Oh. <laughs> okay. Oh, gotcha, 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 gotcha. <laughs> I mean, doesn't it make it more, if you're working under these conditions where you're on call 24 hours a day, isn't it more likely that you're going to make mistakes like the red light right, thing? Yeah. Like, it just seems like with something as serious as a massive train if you're exhausted if you're working overnights and then mornings and then and just you know it makes you more likely to make sense it has to like yeah uh natalie i think there's a future if you want to represent union members in the in, in the future <laughs> uh yeah you're you're right like uh, that's that's exactly right i no notes <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is uh, very similar to uh, Stella and I talked to Chris Eby, who works for Ingredion, a few weeks ago, and it's it's the same shit everywhere. It's like they they work you too many hours, and it's bad for your like personal life, your relationship with your family, and it's also like you're running extreme risks by like overworking people in jobs where dangerous things can happen if you are not like running at a hundred percent. And, and as I said earlier, it's it's not just the railroad. We uh, yeah, I, I'm glad that that came up in your conversation because we've we've organized some health and safety conferences around the country with RWU, uh, in particular, uh, trying to build relationships with environmentalists. And uh, it was 2015, I believe we we did one in the Richmond, uh, California area, the Bay Area. And uh, at the time, there were some striking refinery workers that came up and joined railroaders and environmentalists to have these conversations and organize and, and found the same things. Uh, same thing with nurses who are constantly fighting staffing issues. And, and we saw the strike in, in Minnesota here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so I, this, is, this is just the way uh, it all come back, comes back to the C word. Uh, this is just how capitalism functions and, and pushes everybody uh, to, the, to their limits and beyond. Uh, they, they literally do stress testing on the railroad where they, they will try to uh, flood a particular terminal with as many rail cars and trains as possible to see where the point is it doesn't function. And then once they figure that out, they'll then kind of reset the system and figure out ways uh, to to do more and then do it again and and they'll keep pushing and pushing and pushing and and unless we as workers whether it be on the railroad or in the medical profession or food workers unless we stand up and start to fight back against that they're going to keep doing it so you said the word strike this is you know obviously uh, a strike among railroad workers would be a, a huge deal in the country because uh, this is how stuff gets from one place to another place. It's a very important part of this this whole system. And how am I going to get my cat wigs off of Amazon <laughs> if you people aren't working? I just think it's disturbing that you would suggest that. <laughs> <laughs> you're. I'm sorry. I, your cat. What? I don't buy cat wigs. I'm joking. <laughs> She's allergic to cats, so that wouldn't even. I'm allergic to cats. This bit doesn't work. We need to redo this. <laughs> I, I just wanted to make sure I heard it properly and that, that yeah, there wasn't a, a gl- glitch in the matrix. I, I'm going to Google, I'm going to go and Google cat wigs after this and just, yeah. 
<laughs> I'm just saying how well Americans get all their bullshit all the time. Yeah, our dumb crap. <laughs> Stupid shit we <laughs> yeah, order. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I mean, supply chain is, has become a buzzword, right? Because we've had all the issues that have mm-hmm. been exacerbated by the pandemic. And it's it's really not just the pandemic. It's just the, the sort of that real-time, on-demand uh the 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 nature of the way they've they've tweaked the supply chain to to kind of hyper financialize it i'll call it uh Mm -hmm. and so if you picture the supply chain uh it it let's just take the u.s so uh a container comes in uh on ship from china overseas it's unloaded in a port so you've got port workers there and and from there you have a trucker that will truck it to a train uh, a short distance uh, and then it'll get loaded on the train and it'll start its way across the country. And so that's sort of where my job comes in. And then eventually it'll get to where it's dropped off and unloaded by truck again and goes to a warehouse. And then finally, I mean, I, I think this is important for listeners. We're all on that supply chain, whether we're uh, kind of uh, upstream <clears throat> or downstream. But where that ends is with the consumer, right? We get our crap. We get our whatever right. it is that, that we're getting. Yeah. And, you know, if you look around the room as you're listening, 90% of everything you see at some point was in a shipping container and, and mm-hmm. came by, by truck and train uh, to get to where it is today. Uh, and it might have been the raw materials that, that make it up. But 90% of everything you're looking at around you came that way. And so we have an enormous amount of power as workers if, if we're on that, that train. Now, consumers have some power, right? Like you hear like, oh, well, we can just boycott or whatever. But like the, the power there mm-hmm. is much less than, say, the port worker who's at a ch- uh, choke point. And if they don't work, then I don't work. And so when we talk about a strike on the railroad, and this is why the RLA is designed to stop a strike on the railroad, Right. A strike on the railroad would just cripple that system. So um, when you think about that uh, and, and a, the potential for a rail strike, it does have far reaching ramifications. We already transport what are called shutdown cars. And those those the goods on those cars are uh, important enough to where they expedite that that freight. If that doesn't arrive wherever it's going, that industry or that business is going to shut down. So all those workers will be waiting. Um, and, and if you think about a strike, that would be happening all over the country. Um, mm-hmm. There was a presidential emergency board formed in, in this process as part of the RLA. It's pretty confusing. And I don't want to go into it. But the last time that happened was when President Obama uh, was in office. And there was a big study about the economic impacts. And it, within two weeks, just in uh, manufacturing and like light industrial, there would be a million layoffs in the United States if rail traffic stopped. At least that's what the, the Obama uh, administration uh, study found. Yeah. Obviously, this would have huge ramifications. I mean, if, if it comes to that, like if this is what has to happen for the people who make all of this, you know, work... If if a strike needs to happen for you to have a normal, you know, reasonable life, I mean, that's what it is. But all of the powers that be, obviously, do not want that to happen. Like, no matter what, no strike. I did read something about how Congress could just force a contract through if if the negotiations don't end up, you know, bearing fruit. How does that work? Do you know? 
So right now we have a, a TA or tentative agreement before the operating crafts that we're mm -hmm. uh, in, in a question and answer period about, and we'll start voting on the middle of next month and, and know by the middle of November whether or not that, that passes. But ultimately, if we do not approve that contract, uh, it will fall into the hands of Congress and Congress will legislate what agreement we're going to be working under. And, and likely that's going to be I mean, this is speculation, but that's probably the, the, the agreement that we are turning down. Um, mm -hmm. that isn't, that isn't meeting our needs for quality of life. That isn't, uh, giving us the, the sick time we need. Uh, that isn't addressing adequate staffing. And it is just generally creating unsafe working conditions and putting a lot of stress on the freight rail system. This is, this is a brewing crisis that will not go away with this contract. This yeah. If we see this contract implemented, we're going to be in the same situation, still organizing and fighting back, and it's going to continue to erode freight rail service. And, and we've had a lot of uh, attention on that in the, the recent years with uh, precision scheduled railroading and, and places like the Surface Transportation Board looking at the problem and, and trying to understand and, and how, how do we regulate the railroads. The railroads are in, in the United States are an anomaly uh, worldwide in that they're privatized. Right. Most freight rail systems in the world are are publicly owned. Now, the companies that operate on them might be public or might be, uh, yeah, uh, a, a traded company, but uh, so privately owned. But the the actual system itself is is going to be a, a publicly owned system, and that goes for a lot of. I mean, if we think about interstate highways or the bus system, they're not run for a profit. Right. Yeah. And it would make sense for this to be publicly owned because we are so reliant on it for stuff to get from one place to another. Why should we not all be invested in that, you know, collectively? Yes. Yeah. So these these pickets that have been going on, um, have you seen a lot of support from outside of the rail workers for these pickets? It's really interesting. I mean, in the media, and I'll start with the media because that's where we get a lot of our information. It's kind of been a mixed bag. There's been some good reporting. There's been some really bad reporting. Obviously, a lot of media is run for uh, investment capital and, and the, the richest among us are run for and by. And uh, so you, you see some stories that are absolutely trying to pin this issue on us. Mm -hmm. But I, I think I see a good amount kind of on the other side from, from publications like the guardian or the, in, in these times or something like that, that kind of are, are a little more neutral or, or just sympathetic to, to working people. And so the, the coverage has been a mixed bag, but what I, what I will say is in the comment sections, if you look, I feel like most people sort of inherently get it. And, and mm -hmm. so, yeah, I, I agree. This isn't, completely the case but but you're going to look at the comments and it's going to be like yeah we we get this yeah we're, we're workers too and and face mm -hmm. the same conditions and and maybe not this extreme but uh so i i think there is sympathy uh i think the biggest misconception right now is everybody thinks that uh after the biden administration sort of took that victory lap with marty walsh brokering a deal with the the unions last thursday I think there was a, a common misconception that this is over and it's, it's not done yet. And I think that's why you see these, these pickets that kind of sprung up, uh, mm -hmm. over the, the early part of this week. 
uh, to kind of keep uh, reminding people that, yeah, stay tuned. We're still fighting for safe staffing levels, safer working conditions, quality of life improvement, adequate time off, paid sick time, affordable health care, like all the things that everyone as a worker needs. We're, we're, we're sort of fighting the fight for uh, just workers in general. And yeah. it, it affects us as railroad workers, but uh, th- these are things that we all sort of need to, to unite and, and struggles that we all need to help each other with. Yeah. Yeah. It's not everyone has like, has reached that sort of class consciousness, but I, I do think like you're saying, like, you know, most of us do work to survive. So I think it is, you know, most people can be brought to the light <laughs> through that path because, you know, we all are suffering under these same conditions most of the time. I don't think we would have seen 300 Starbucks stores across the country. I think, I think it's around 300 or more now mm-hmm. that, that are, yeah. have organized. I don't think we'd see that if, if that wasn't the case, if there wasn't a growing awareness of that. And I've mentioned Starbucks because I like coffee, but uh, I don't, it, it's not, I'm not any, because my job is seen as more important or I don't know, has more glamor to it or, or whatever the case may be. Uh, mm-hmm. what I do isn't any more or less important than a barista who has a skill making my pumpkin spice latte. Uh, I, <laughs> well, you need that caffeine to get through a week of, you know, two morning <laughs> shifts and then two overnight shifts. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> it's all, it's all part of the same system. How do you answer? So I always see people ask this and, um, I think the answer is obvious, but to the person who says, well, why don't you just not, why don't you just leave this job if it's so bad? Natalie, I, I often think about, uh, at work when I have a moment, <laughs> what, what would I do with my life? What, what would I do better? And it, I think we often hear in left circles, like you struggle where you're at. Uh, you sort yep. of, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go and move to Canada because it's, bad here i'm gonna end up with some of the same struggles there and and have to start all over so i guess you kind of struggle where you're at and and so this is where i've been for two decades i've invested a lot in that and uh i i I feel like that my role is is to help myself and and my coworkers fix that that problem and so uh that that's where i'm at today is I just can't imagine going somewhere else and and having to kind of rebuild from from square one and and be stuck with some of the same issues. They're they're gonna mm-hmm. some of them will be different, but I'll have some of the same issues, and I'm I'm gonna continue to to kind of struggle where I'm at for as long as I can. Uh, yeah. That said, that said, uh, I think you are going to see with this agreement if it's passed as it is, you're going to continue to see people leave the rail industry. You're going to continue to see the rail carriers squeeze workers harder and harder. And you're going to see less people doing the work and less people wanting to go into the work. So it's sort of a a manufactured crisis. And the reason they're doing it is they don't want any workers. So uh, (laughs) eventually they'd, they'd fully automate a train. So a three mile long train going through your community uh, might have one person or no people on it if we don't fight this fight. And so mm-hmm. I guess I'm there for a lot of reasons and don't leave for a lot of reasons. 
one of them being I'm too dumb to figure out what else I can do. But, <laughs> but the other just, uh, it, it's, uh, it's a, it, it is a, we're going to struggle wherever we're at. And so I'm going to, I'm going to struggle here and, and build those connections and, and fight. Yeah. We are very much on the same wavelength there. Like, I think that's a major theme of like this podcast is like, <laughs> yeah, we're all like here in Iowa. Leave, like, <laughs> yeah, you don't just leave Iowa. You don't leave your community. You don't leave the people behind on the railroad. You make it better. I just always see people saying that. So I wanted to say like, you know, here's the answer, you know, it's like, you don't just leave people behind. What happens to the, there's even fewer people and they're going to suffer even more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I think everywhere kind of sucks. So, like, (laughs) (laughs) you should start where you have, like, some sort of advantage because you're already, like, used to it and then, you know, try to improve things as much as you can. This will probably be, like, the topic of a future episode, but I've I've been organizing one of my workplaces, so... (laughs) So I've very much been on on that that path, that goal of like, you know, make the place you're already at better. Yeah, let us know how we can help you. Rather than, you know, searching for something, some mythic, like, good workplace. (laughs) Do you see, like, are there a lot fewer people joining the, like, are there a lot of younger engineers? So you'd start off as a conductor. They are hiring some people, but I mean, it's, they're, they're struggling. So. I'm going to make up numbers because I can't remember, but when I went to hire on the railroad, uh, the hiring session was very much trying to weed people out. So they would do everything they could to discourage you. They'd talk about how uh, we work in, in all kinds of weather conditions at all hours of the day and weekends and nights. And, and so they'd really discourage people to weed people out and get them to sort of self-select and leave. Mm-hmm. And then they, then you'd go through like, kind of the testing of, you know, like a, a reading comprehension test, a physical and, and that sort of stuff before they, they sit down and interview you. And we started with a packed room of, I don't know, probably 30 or 40 people and, you know, eventually whittled it down. And today I'm hearing that there's some of those hiring sessions where uh, they don't have people show up. It's just, it. I think word is sort of out and we've seen, yeah we've seen like some of the, like there's Glassdoor, for instance, some of these job sites that, that are uh, kind of evaluate employers and the railroad industry doesn't have a good reputation in general. And so mm-hmm. that the word's out that this is not a sustainable uh, career and that they're trying to get rid of you anyway. They don't want, em- they don't want employees. They want to shrink the workforce. That's part of the reason this contract is is so bad is because we know it's going to reduce the amount of people we're working with and and we're we've already seen that reduction and seen how hard it is to work yeah, under right. those conditions. Yeah, it just makes it shittier for the people who are left. So to be explicit about this, I mean we've covered kind of most of the issues, but what exactly is missing from this tentative agreement that you and the union would like to see? So it, all these things tie back to safety. Uh, and, and will help create uh, safer working conditions, but ad- address the staffing levels so that we have safe staffing levels. Um, we have heavy machinery and equipment that, that needs to be inspected more, but those, those workers have been decimated. The, the maintenance away crafts and the, mm-hmm. the, the car inspectors and things like that, that, that uh, they need more people so that they can do the job and keep the equipment rolling safely. And, and, 
kind of related to that, we just need, we need paid sick time. We need healthcare that's affordable. It's a very hard job. As you can imagine, working these shifts is not easy on, on your health. Mm-hmm. Uh, we walk on kind of uneven, uh, ballast, so rocky ground that, that, uh, joint replacement is not uncommon before you're, you're 50. Okay. Um, so ha- having adequate healthcare is, is huge and it has to be affordable. In fact, it, it should just be paid. And then just let's, let's get some cost of living adjustments that'll keep up with inflation. We've been three years without a raise. So we're really starting to feel some of those, uh, economic pressures. Oh, yeah. So you're basically yeah, th- making 10% less. Yeah, three years You've ago was pre-pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Money's going less far and you're, I mean, I can't even, like when I think of how much sick, how could you have a family? And like, when I think of how much sick time I have to take between my like self and my kid, like, how could you ever survive with one sick day? So basically you have to go to work sick and you're f- shit out of luck if you have a kid because like. If they're sick, I mean, you can't send them anywhere. Oh, yeah, you're, you're describing <laughs> the problems we have. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about like the actual practical reality of having to be on call 24-7. How often are you actually called in in a situation like that? And when does it happen usually? It, it varies greatly. I guess I'm trying to think. I'm I'm sort of atypical in my situation. Um, My, I mean, FMLA, federal, uh, what is that? The Federal Medical Leave Act uh, Mm -hmm. is is a federal law that was passed in the 80s that that I take advantage of because I have a family with with health issues. And so I'm able to use that to take time off for uh, some of the chronic illnesses that that are in, in my household. And so, yeah. I use that to my advantage and, and a lot of my coworkers do too, because that's the only way we can take time off. But, uh, if, if I didn't have that and I was working constantly, it probably wouldn't be uncommon to work, uh, 20 days a month, 200 hours, uh, would, would not be uncommon at all. I, I can remember one week, the, the worst week I ever had on the railroad, I was working, uh, about every eight to 12 hours and I put in 75 hours that week. Oh God! Jesus uh, Christ! <laughs> I would never do that. I'm not staying. I'm not struggling where I am. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that that was many, many years ago. I'm and not built to this kind of stuff. <laughs> a lot of it's just sitting time. So I read a lot of books, uh, or I I listened to a lot of back before we couldn't use electronic. That's the other thing is they we can't use electronic devices by rule now. But like. I'd listen to a lot of, you know, music or podcasts or whatever back then. And, um, it was probably before podcasts that dates me, but (laughs) (laughs) they've banned electronic devices, like all of them. Yeah. The, the, uh, there were issues, especially with when cell phones were first coming out where people would be distracted much like you would in a car. And, (laughs) and so there was, there was some need for like saying, Hey, you can't have this, but, they really they went from one extreme to another and just said nope can't have anything. Uh, you can and, listen mm-hmm. to music in a car though, you know. Yep. Like there are different, you know. Yeah, uh, texting and driving a train is that <laughs> is that more <laughs> dangerous than a, a car? <laughs> <laughs> it can't You're even go track. anywhere else. Yeah, it's not a track. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we still got to pay attention though to what we're doing. It's, uh, 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 unfortunately, 
I did want to stress for for anybody who maybe doesn't know that uh, FMLA is not guaranteed paid time off. It's just like it's you know they yeah. they can't fire you you know if you take certain a certain amount of time off for health reasons, right? Oh yeah, there's huge limitations to it, and you're right, it is unpaid. Mm-hmm. But it's at least protecting you from some of the firings that we're seeing people right. experiencing for their children being born or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Just. Uh, elective choices they made with their lives to (laughs) propagate the species (laughs) okay so i have a question have you ever in your time working on the railroad been driving and see a damsel in distress tied (laughs) (laughs) by a villain (laughs) i i am not uh, i am not quick thinking enough to come up with a witty reply to that it's uh that was a serious question. <laughs> nope, no damsels in distress. Um, I, I, yeah, I'm going to spare listeners some some of the more gruesome stories, but yeah. Oh, so. oh, oh my god! I'm interested, actually. <laughs> Tell me later. <laughs> I, I do have a, a follow up serious question, though. Are you ever presented with a decision <laughs> where you have to switch from one the track to another? <laughs> And on, and on one side you'll run over like you know someone you love on the other side you'll run over 10 strangers <laughs> and stopping the train is not an option <laughs> ten, str- 10 strangers 100 percent. justin's on the tracks i'm killing the 10 strangers <laughs> um who's this loved one? Oh, it depends uh, on who's the lo- oh okay okay you've got a ranking huh uh yeah <laughs> no i don't um i mean i think the railroad uh way of doing this would probably be like to switch the tr- the, the train mid tracks and get everybody <laughs> <laughs> just hit both yeah back up and do it again <laughs> satire folks uh we don't want anybody killed on the railroad please do not uh tie up your damsel in distress and put them between the tracks Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I will stress that it's not the damsel's fault. Uh, any sort of train track <laughs> tying crime is only the fault of the of, perpetrator. Of it, Mike it, it Franken. Is, it is definitely not how she, the, or they, uh, he, or they dress. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's not forget our they them damsels. <laughs> <laughs> Well, th- this is something I wrote down earlier in our conversation that I thought may, may be fun. You mentioned that you have this grievance filing process that often takes years to resolve itself. That's not fun. Let's not talk about this. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Go ahead, Justin. <laughs> and it only tends to go your way, you said, like one in seven tries. So what kind of uh, grievances have you seen filed? What's maybe the most egregious example of... Uh, of a grievance being resolved in favor of the employer? Um, well, uh, they've got to provide us with uh, clean drinking water. So not having water on site uh, or, or ice. We've got ice boxes or refrigerators on the train that uh, are kept stock. Uh, some of those basic needs things I think are pretty extreme. Just a, how about a place to shit and pee? Uh, if, I, if I could be <laughs> crass, like... Uh, some of the uh, grievances uh, used to be about locomotives that didn't have adequate facilities uh, 
or or a lock on the door. Uh, and, and, you know, sometimes still today, you know, they can get pretty, pretty gross. And so, uh, occasionally you'll, you'll see things like that. Those, I think those are some of the the extreme examples, but not necessarily, you know, funny, but definitely things that people take for granted in their workplace. A lot of times that, that we, uh, have to have a, a rule around that tells the company that they've got to provide things for being people, humans. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, like you said, they'd prefer if there were no people involved because that, I mean, that gets rid of, you know, all of those, you know, bathroom needs, uh, water. If, if you were a robot, that wouldn't be an issue. Don't have to pay a uh, health care to a robot. Yeah. Although, I mean, I would think maintenance would be expensive and they've, you said they've been kind of shirking that responsibility too. <laughs> Yeah, cuts to the workforce there as well. It would be less of a PR hit if a, a robot is destroyed in an accident versus a human killed. <laughs> the Flaming Lips song just popped in my head. Destroying all the pink robots. Um, well, Ross, what's so? I'm sure people listening feel for you and all the other railroad workers. What would be the best way for anyone who's not already somehow involved in this situation to involve themselves in a way that would benefit you? So I'm co-chair of Railroad Workers United, and I'll plug that organization real quick, railroadworkersunited.org, mm-hmm. uh, just railroadworkersunited, spelled out, .org, and you can go there. Um, we're typically due sustaining for railroad workers. $50 a year, but we also have a solidarity membership. So if you're a train nut or, or just want to help the cause for, for $25 a year, you can support that and help us do the work of kind of continuing to get the word out on these issues. The other thing is just, no, we're, we're not done yet. This process isn't over and uh, there could be uh, potentially a, a rail labor work stoppage near you so just kind of pay attention to those things and and just in general just find a a, a struggle uh a strike or or anything you know it doesn't have to be railroad related it could be uh ingredient in cedar rapids or your mm-hmm. local starbucks whatever the case may be just go out and support workers and and you know hear their stories and uh try to make those connections and and fight for all of us yeah absolutely Seems like that solidarity membership would be a great Christmas gift for your most quirky autistic friend or a new dad. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Ross has been kind of my uh, source for all of this ongoing stuff. So if you want to follow them on Twitter, it's at Ross Gruders and uh, Ross, you know, Ross's feed will keep you sort of informed of this whole process. And thank you for, you know, providing more context to us tonight. And, uh, you know, I don't know anything about your job. So it, it was nice to learn, you know, a little bit of what you're going through here. Appreciate uh, appreciate the time. And, yeah, keep keep doing what you guys are doing. Thank you. And gals. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> we got to, you know, in- include all the pronouns and everything. Um, listeners, I do have one request of you, aside from supporting Ross and the rest of Rail Workers United, Please vote for us as the best local podcast in the Little Village Magazine Best of the Crandic Awards for the second year running. It would be very funny if we won again. It was funny last time. It would be funny this time. (laughs) 
Repeat. <laughs> and uh, I think we're going to go out tonight with uh, some local music. This is a track by Bigby Woods. Shout out to our friend Bridget, who listens to the show and has been very supportive. Uh, I forget the name of which track I'm going to use, but I'll put it in the uh, episode description and you should check out their music on Spotify and Bandcamp. Buy it on Bandcamp. That's the best way to support local music. Fuck Spotify. Okay, that, that's all. Thanks, guys. See you later. When you're only 25 and you're trying to find a reason to slow down, you know you're on thin ice.